Please welcome Vance McDonald. So, you know, one of the things I was going to say, Vance, the battering ram McDonald, because uh, uh, that's, uh, that's the way you were playing. Hey, did you have a, a nickname? I, I forgot to ask you. The, uh, I think someone came up with it, and it's kind of stuck a little bit as the Vanimal. The Vanimal. Unleashed I the think van. those guys on uh, Good Morning, uh, NF, the Good Morning Football had that. I think they, yeah. They that, that's that. right. If I see that video one more time, I have to go put my pads on. It's like... Yeah. <laughs> so you get psyched up. So, someone was asking me, uh, Tunch, do you think he gets sick of being asked about that stiff arm? Do you? No, no. absolutely not. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, as, as we're watching this, what's going through your mind? I know you got fired up, but you got a whole five months to wait before uh, training camp. But uh, what goes through your mind as you're watching it? I can wait for training camp. Let me just throw that out there. Um, the season, not so much. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, it's just a flash. Uh, First off, it's such a crazy, cool thing to be able to play a game for my job. Uh -huh. um, and the NFL, I mean, just as a society, it's so ingrained in us. Like, it's such a great passion for so many people. It's so fun to follow. Uh -huh. But it's so, it's so cool. And really, though, it just takes me through just, man, there's been so much hard work and sacrifice and, man, success and failures. Um, but it's just, man, it's just a joy to play the game. It really is. You know, uh, one of the things that when we play these highlight films, they're highlight films, and, and you just touched on it, but talk about the work and the hard work and the off-season and, and all that goes into getting you ready to, to be uh, the Vanable. Or, right. uh, <laughs> it, is, um, it is a process, I will say it is that. Um, and every single day, if you're, not, if you're not taking that approach and giving it the amount of respect that it deserves, um, Man, it's gonna fly by, and it's gonna it's gonna end up swallowing you up. Mm -hmm. And it almost did me for a little bit. Uh, but man, it's just so great now. It's so great to be too and a part of like the Pittsburgh family and uh, be a Steeler. It's it's been a great journey and a great a great move for my wife and I and our kids. And uh, man, we we just love it here. We really do. Yeah. Amen. So talk about that. The contrast. You know, you were in San Francisco, the barrier, a little different. Come to Pittsburgh, you know, working class town, and uh, and they love their Steelers. I mean, mm -hmm. it, that's all there is. Uh, well, <laughs> no offense to you, Penguin and I Pirate didn't say fans. It. I didn't yeah. say it. So, but but the, the the focus is the Steelers. Would you agree? Yeah. All right, thank you. So um, so talk about the you know the adjusting to this and and enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, you got to do that. You got to enjoy it, every moment of it, because uh, you know it, it's going to end one day. Right. And it was different. My, I come from Texas. My wife is from Oklahoma, and we kind of were just used to the South, very friendly, you know, open, mm -hmm. shake a hand, howdy, partner, sort of thing. And I can bring out my Texas accent if you guys want me to. Yeah, I'd like to hear it. <laughs> so we get to California, and it was it was so different. And you know, it was really the start of our lives. Um, and, you know, we just jumped into, you know, marriage for the first time and jump into the NFL. And it was so, it was such a, you know, a, a big moment. And um, to go relocated from West Coast to East Coast, it was a big move for us. And it was shaky at first mm -hmm. and it brought along its challenges. But man, we really loved it here. It's a great place to raise kids. Mm -hmm. It's a great place to, to really enjoy. I love the snow. I, 
I, I shoveled my driveway like this morning before I got here, and it, I was like fired up to do it too. <laughs> we didn't shovel snow down in Texas, yeah, so. Yeah. And I'm not doing your driveway, so don't. No, okay. <laughs> And the only time, you know, when the Steelers played in the Super Bowl um, in 2010, it was, there was a blizzard down in Dallas. And, uh, and, and they had no snow removal. I oh, think the, yeah, I think the only plans. snow removal, uh, there, was, there was one salt truck and, and uh, with, a sh with a shovel in front of the truck, and it was uh, in front of Jerry Jones's car the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, when you were drafted by the 49ers, your head coach was Jim Harbaugh. He played, uh, 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 when he first came in the league, he was a rookie with the Chicago Bears. And he gave you number 89 because you reminded him of Dicka. Uh, and uh, that was a, and a very favorable comparison, by the way. But, the, you know, did you have to look him up and to see who Mike Ditka was? I did. And I, I kind of like, I kind of just like went off the cuff through, like, through the first round of interviews when I was, that I was having, because I, I really didn't know a ton about him, and I was just pretending like I did. And it was, I got really lucky, too. I, I was like, yeah, he's physical, and, and I really had no idea. But I looked him up, and yeah, he's just a great tight end. Yeah. Um, and it's even more funny now, looking back on it, like I, it's, it's almost neat to say I've been called here to Pittsburgh ever since that moment. So it took four years, but now I'm finally here. That's cool. And, uh, Man, they are happy to be a Steeler. Well, we're happy that you're here. Uh, and, uh, and, and you know what? The highlights of Ditka are not too different from the highlights that we just saw uh, of you. Uh, you know, he was one of the guy, and, uh, you know, being up from Al Quippa, you know, uh, he was just a tough guy, played at Pitt. And like you, he, he's definitely trying to run over guys. I mean, that, that's what you do. You, you, do you, you're it. trying to run. You see the small numbers and you just want to run them over. Is that I what do. it is? It's like just, I, I'm sorry, but I'm going to try to do it. <laughs> you. <laughs> you, you know, Donnie Shell was, uh, was here last year, or two years, three years ago. Uh, and uh, Donnie was talking about um, how intense he was on the football field. And someone asked him one time, uh, Donnie, but you love Jesus. Um, how do you reconcile playing such a violent game? And Donnie didn't miss a beat. He said, uh, that's the way I glorify God. He gave me this gift, and uh, I'm playing uh, uh, to, to, to my full capacity, to, to, to all my abilities and giftedness. Um, talk about how football is such a physical game, but yet it's really fun, and, and, mm -hmm. and, and it's a great way to glorify God. Mm-hmm. Um. It definitely, it definitely pulls the greatest, like, you have to go so deep in some of the moments because it's just like anything else, man. It gets really tough sometimes. Right. And um, iron, sharpening iron, uh, it really, it really is, is unfolds in the locker room and playing the game, um, you know, throughout a season. And it is a long grind. Mm -hmm. um, but it really, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things, yeah, you can't really... It's hard to explain, but I, I don't know. I, I like to think that uh, it's just what I do. Right. I mean, you can't really explain it any other way. I like, I like what your friend Donnie said. Like, yeah. it's the way I glorify God. Right. Um, it's hard to turn that switch off sometimes, but you have to do it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's all I know. Yeah. And uh, it, it gives me, it opens up great opportunities for like right now. Right. Um, just being able to share, um, you know, it's, it brings a lot of great opportunity, and like I said, it, it's it's so fun uh, when you find the success 
And even in the failures too, when you, you find that truth that pulls you out of it, mm-hmm. those are also great moments too. Yeah, you know what I, what I loved is when I asked Vance if he would come and share at our friendship weekend, he didn't hesitate. He goes, yeah, I, I just got to make sure it's okay with Kendi, and uh, but but I'm you know I'm I'm all in, and uh, uh, you know one of the things about Donnie Shell was he played football, and he lived for Jesus the same way, all out, and I, I see that in in you, and, uh, and and talk about that a little bit, how you know that you just you jumped at the opportunity, you've got many opportunities for ministry. And, uh, and, and you know that God is using you and it's going to use you in a big mm-hmm. way. No, it's definitely, I mean, it, just like anything, it's scary and it can be scary. Mm-hmm. But when you allow your, feels, your fears to take over, you're going to say no to things that can potentially be just amazing blessings, not only for you mm-hmm. and your walk, but for, you know, for anyone. Mm-hmm. And man, to take those and to, to take those capture uh, and to not allow them to happen you know, just because of your own worry and anxiety, it's so unfair. Mm-hmm. It's unfair to God and it's unfair to your growth and it's unfair to everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so I said yes. Was I scared? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> what did I just agree to? Like, yeah. <laughs> but it's, um, it's such a pleasure. And it's whenever you give God that full trust. Uh, you know, it's even interesting too, like, uh, I started leading a Bible study in the locker room. Mm-hmm. And even that was just a willingness to say yes. Uh, and I said no for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but God's going God's to take care of you. If you're, if you're willing and you say yes and you put your trust and your love into him, he's going to guide you and he's going to give you the words. He's going to give you the confidence and the boldness to do up and stand up for him. And, um, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, so Landry Jones, Landry Jones was here, mm-hmm. um, and we released him in training camp. In right. fact, I think he came here. Yeah, he was here a few spoke. years ago um, to, to speak at uh, Friendship uh, Weekend, and uh, it was the first time I, I saw Ron Moore, our pastor, starstruck. Right. Uh, and, you know, because uh, Landry's from Oklahoma, and that he's got his jersey autographed on, uh, in Ron's office. That out of all the Hall of Famers that have come here and all the all pros, he's got Landry Jones' autograph. So. <laughs> and that's, that's what uh, happens when you're a big OU fan. But, uh, yeah, Landry Jones was leading the Bible study. He was leading Bible study. We released him in training camp. And last season was very... I mean, it was very up and down, very shaky, rough. You know, we're getting settled. We just moved, had the big move. And, you know, I'm still, you know, trying to learn everyone's name, their story, um, and who they are and the dynamic of the locker room. Like, there's a lot to learn. And, you know, the game of football is the same, don't get me wrong, but, man, moving across country, it's a big thing. And so wrestling with that, struggling with that, finding a groove, off-season happens, and then Landry leaves, and he was kind of like our spiritual leader. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a teammate come up to me in week two, and they said, I need you to do Bible study. I, I think you're the guy. And, and you know, I had this great routine. Like, Bible study was always Friday mornings, right in the middle of the locker room. And you're the guy. I need you to start leading Bible study because it's throwing me off, man. And I'm like, <laughs> who, me? I'm, I'm the only one around here. Yeah. He's got to be talking to me. I was like, no, I don't think so. I think you got the wrong guy. And... Uh, I said no, man. I said no from week two until week 15. And it's so funny because God, throughout those weeks, you know, I'd find myself praying like, God, you know, spread my influence. Like, how can I, 
how can I spread your light and your glory in this locker room? In what way? And he's like, I told you. <laughs> Let me just rewind for you all the yeah. way back to week two, because I gave it to you. Right. And uh, I finally said yes in week 15, and it was, it's just been like, it's been like the highlight of, of my year. Um, and even though it was three short weeks, you know, we, everyone in this room probably wishes we would have made it to the playoffs. And don't get me wrong, we do too as a team. Mm-hmm. And we are just as hurt about it as you guys are. But we were praying in, in Bible study for those three weeks to make the playoffs so we could keep having Bible study right. on Friday mornings. So it was, it, was a great, it was a great moment for me growing to say yes to God and allow that to just take hold of me and allow me to just go because it was... She's just a few of us guys, but we were on fire. Yeah, amen. You know, and, I, and I've seen that. Um, you know, Vance, uh, Tony Evans in his book, Kingdom Man, has a great line. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. So good. And, uh, and, and you know, uh, when I led my first Bible study, uh, you know, when I got in the youth ministry here years ago, I called up my, uh, my mentor, Dave Good, and I said, Dave, should I do this? I don't, I'm not qualified. You know, I was going, I, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do this, right? I, and he goes, Tunch, do you love Jesus? I said, yeah. He goes, do you love kids? And I go, yeah. He goes, okay, you should, you should do it. <laughs> it's so simple. Yeah, I mean, it is. Uh, uh, so talk about the impact of the guys in the team and the fellowship and the encouraging and the challenging. Um, yeah, it's, it's so funny because, you know, fantasy, stats, um, you know, everyone's always digging for why when you're passionate about your team. Like, why, you know, why, why can't we win? Like, what is, that, what is that driving force that's keeping us, you know, pushing us in a fourth quarter for a, a, a touchdown winning drive or anything? I mean, to keep the defense holding them right on the goal line. And it's, I've always thought of it as like that X factor. Mm-hmm. What does that X factor look like? How is it measured? And it's something I've spent hours trying to analyze and figure out. And really, when you look deeper, it's just like any other team. It's like any other brotherhood. It's like any church. It's the relationships among each other. Mm-hmm. And, man, you could have talent filled throughout a locker room, but if you don't, if you don't trust and love the guy beside you and are w- willing to lay down yourself before him to just try to do your absolute best, then, man, you're, you're always going to get beat out by someone who does. Yeah. And the fellowship and the ministry that we had going on in the locker room in Bible study was, man, it was the pinnacle not only to you know, my realization of like, man, this is something that I love to do, um, but it was the pinnacle for me of like opening up unbelievable like truths and pathways into guys' lives. Like I had guys coming up to me sharing their stories with me that would have never happened if I wouldn't have said yes. Yeah. And it's things like that that start kind of like a domino effect that, man, you just, you just build that type, that type, like that team atmosphere of camaraderie that you cannot break. And whenever you're starting to bend through adversity or conflict, man, you don't break. Yeah. And so it was a really great blessing. Chuck Noll, uh, our head coach, used to say that the process is the purpose. And that's what he loved. You know, although he won four Super Bowls, it was the process of the season. And then one of the things that, uh, that I realized that the goal is relationships. And that's what makes the, the, the NFL experience so rich because it's the journey. And every season is a journey onto himself. And we used to say, celebrate the journey. Mm-hmm. And I could hear that in your voice because the season was, because the season came to an abrupt stop. 
and, uh, and, there, and there's that void that it's all of a sudden, man, I want to be with the guys. Man, I want to have the fellowship. I want to encourage and challenge. And, and I can see that, and I can hear that in your voice. Isn't Touch so wise? Like, <laughs> I'm just sitting here listening to him. He did not say any of that in the first service or yesterday. <laughs> and I'm, I just start laughing because, so Tunch is always around the facility. Like, you know, I've been here for two seasons and, you know, we, we met, he told, the story, told me the story about when we met and he's like, do you remember that? And I was like, no, like, I, <laughs> I don't remember that. And we finally get together for breakfast to prepare for this weekend, this past week. And I'm telling him my testimony and preparation so we can kind of get an idea of what we want to talk about and where we want to go. And he, he'd stop me for a second. He said, well, that reminds me of this verse. And he would say it, I mean, sounds like a recording off my phone, my YouTube app, I mean, my version app. And then he gets to the end of it and he's like, well, are you nervous? Have you spoken before? And I started telling him about some of the opportunities that I've taken over the course of being in the NFL to just like speak at my church and other churches. And I said, I was like, yeah, like I'm very fearful. Like the pressure is real. Like I, I'm not just playing football, man. I'm like, this is an opportunity to, to lead someone to Jesus. Like yeah. this is a very big deal. I feel a ton of pressure. And he read off like three or four verses, like immediately. And I just remember thinking, he like went into the Greek explanation on one verse. <laughs> And he told me the Greek word. I'm like, this guy is like a mystery to me. <laughs> and so I was just, I'm preparing. I'm sitting here thinking like, you guys see like a walking miracle every weekend that you're around this guy because for 14 years, <laughs> so for, for 14 years, this guy played in the NFL and as many blows to the head you've taken. <laughs> You can, still, you can still recite scripture the way that you're capable of, and it's a miracle, man. And we're like, so we sang about God being a great healer, and that highlight tape, some of those hits hurt. It's, we're lucky God's a great healer because we need it. Yeah, because I tell my guys on Wednesday night, I should have gotten the concussion lawsuit, but I forgot. And, uh, uh, and so, uh, but uh, you know, one of the things, um, Thank you very much for that encouragement, and I, I love the word. And but it's God's grace, uh, and and I, and I do love the word, and I and I love to study and I love to teach it. Um, uh, but you know, the the football experience is like a, a lot like the men's ministry experience. So I'm going to shameless plug for the men's ministry. Uh, <laughs> if you're not connected, we have Bible studies every day of the week. And so please come and lock arms with the men of this church. And Wednesday night, yeah, but yeah, well, thanks. Wednesday night, 6.30, the locker room upstairs. I'm, you know, come and uh, be part of that. I'd love to, uh, love to see you there. Um, what to, so the relational aspect of this game is what I believe makes it so special. What is the toughest thing about playing in the National Football League? Um, yeah, it's... That day that you're signed to a team, it is, it is a day that the battle begins. Uh, you know, for me and my journey, um, and really I, I go all the way back to, you know, whenever I was a kid, I was fortunate, to, I was fortunate enough to be raised in a church. Mm -hmm. And um, I accepted Jesus whenever I was seven. Uh, you know, small town, we were, we were a small agricultural town. And, uh, you know, we had about 3,000 people, very rural. 
And so it was just natural. Like you just go to church on Wednesday nights, hang out with all the youth, the kids, play forever. The kids are loving it. I mean, the parents are loving it too because the kids are going to go home and sleep well. Like it's just like one of those things that just yeah. works good. Yeah. And, um, but I was just, I was so fortunate because I had that foundation that I could go back to church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in those moments where I'm really coming to grip with, you know, reality of, of my situation, whether I'm, you know, I'm in this rut, like, you know, God, please rescue me. Um, but a lot of times in those moments, I, I tried rescuing myself. Mm-hmm. And I look back and think on it, and it is really this, <clears throat> this process of me replacing God with myself in my heart. Um, I'm building a church on me. I'm replacing the big G God with little G God me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I go into my college years. Um, I'm a student athlete. I'm, I met my wife, Kendi, who's sitting here in the front row. Um, she is. He definitely outkicked his coverage. Yeah, for sure. And so uh, she, I met her my junior, my junior summer going into my senior year in high school. Um, we met on a cruise ship. She was going to be a freshman at Oklahoma State. Sorry, Pastor Ron. She's a cowgirl. Um, but uh, I met her, and it was amazing because it, it all started to manifest itself in this process. I, I'm a college athlete. I got one scholarship um, offer to play at Rice University. And um, it was amazing because I felt underappreciated, I felt like an underdog, I was undersized, they took a chance on me, and I was like, yes, this is God's gift. I struggled with injuries in high school, like this is God's gift to me. And instead of appreciating it and treating it as such, I turned it into something that I earned. Mm-hmm. And I get to college, um, like I said, I'm, I'm a student athlete, and that is like something that I think is just such a hard thing to do, because football is a full-time job, keeping up in school is a full-time job, and here I have this wonderful girl that I'm dating that's 830 some odd miles away from me in Oklahoma. And the fact that I can balance all that, like, go me. Mm-hmm. Like, I can look in the mirror and be like, you're a stud. Yeah. And um, <laughs> truthfully, like, and so I walk around campus, I see regular students, and I'm like, you're not doing the whole athlete bit. You're not doing the whole athlete bit. Like, you're never gonna understand what it is, like what I'm doing. You're never gonna be capable or aware to appreciate all the hard work and sacrifice it takes to maintain not only my academics, but my athletics. Mm-hmm. And it was just like this hill that I kept going up. And man, the, the more success I found, the harder it got for me to realize what it is I was doing to myself. Mm-hmm. I was digging my own grave. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad. And then you, you fast forward, by God's grace, Ken and I made it through college. And I was a year behind her, so I had to do one more year. And she moved down to Houston and got a job. Um, and then that process started over again. I was on top of the world. Uh, I was one of the best players kind of on our team at Rice. And then someone kind of told me like, hey, you have a shot at playing in the NFL. And I thought that was absolutely crazy. Like, man, only by the grace of God would that be, that be possible. Mm-hmm. And it's super humbling too, because right. the unknown of where you're gonna go, uh, whether you're gonna be drafted or not drafted, what's the expectation, and you know, here I am, I, I have responsibility of, of taking care of the girl I think I'm gonna marry, um, and it was a lot, and then you get drafted. Mm-hmm. I got drafted in the second round, and I was like, look at me, yeah. right? Look at me, I'm, you're still a stud. Yeah. And uh, again, I just was brought back to, this is everything that I have done. Mm-hmm. I have put in the work, I have woken up at 
crazy dumb hours of the night and ran stadiums that no one would ever know about. Mm-hmm. Um, look at what I'm capable of. And the second round draft pick statement stuck in me and it was what I built my church on. Um, it was everything to me. It was, I'm gonna prove to San Francisco that I am worth a second round pick. I'm gonna prove to every fan, every critic, that I am not an underdog, that I am capable of making a name for myself in the NFL. And it was so scary. I, I read every single thing written about me, good or bad. And everything that was good, I was like, you know the truth, buddy. <laughs> and, and everything that was bad, I was like, you need me to, like, I need to come over there and teach you a lesson. Like, you don't know what I've done, what I've been through. And it was such a sad pit, man. It was, and so I, I went through that for years and years. And then my fourth year in the NFL, I'm still chasing after that, that self-worth, that I'm going to prove you all that I'm capable and that I'm worth it. And it built up such a nasty self-righteousness in me because I'd carry around, you know, this, the strut in this walk, and you know, no matter what I did, and I wasn't, I wasn't over the top and rude about it, but at the same time, it was there, and it was very real. Mm-hmm. And I go into my draft year, I mean, I'm sorry, I go into my contract year, and like, the pressure is really on. I wanna become this franchise tight end for the 49, I feel like you guys can't see me, I'm gonna spin my chair around a little bit, <laughs> sorry. I go into my contract year, and I'm like, I gotta prove myself, like, this is it. Mm-hmm. And I got also got to come home uh, to Kendi and be this loving, nurturing husband. Um, and so we have our firstborn, uh, our son, Komen. He was born in training camp, right before training camp. And so I'm like, okay, man, this is like the, God, this is a milestone I've looked forward to my entire life, like being a dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was amazing because it was one of the hardest things. And I was just so overwhelmed and I was so not ready and it, I read all the baby books don't get me wrong I read all the baby books I watched all the videos about how to you know how to be gentle and kind and, and shush a newborn and you know make them get relaxed and everything and it just didn't work it really didn't <laughs> and it had nothing to do it had nothing to do with the techniques it had everything to do with like this this cycle that I was I felt trapped in I felt prisoner mm-hmm. I Again, I was, I was pressured to, to do well at work. It was performance-based. I mean, if you can't do the job, you, you can't play, period. Mm-hmm. Contract year, and at the flip of a switch, I'm supposed to drive home, and I felt this incredible responsibility to take, to take the baby, our son, out of Kendi's hands because she had been at the house all day long with him. Mm-hmm. And I was so unprepared. And it's so funny because I spent four months in that fourth year of my, season, like my NFL journey of chasing after this thing, and every time I fell short, mm-hmm. you know Romans three twenty three. Yeah, we all fall. Sh- we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. Right, man. I was the God of my life, and I was falling short, and I didn't know why. Mm-hmm. And I found myself asking questions like, "Am I a bad father? Mm-hmm. Am I a bad husband? Am I a bad teammate? Why can't I figure this out? I don't have answers, and I'm capable of getting these answers. I'm like, why am I not finding them?" And it's amazing. So all the, all the sacrifice and hard work it took for Kenny and I to make it through a long-distance relationship in college, and we get to this moment, and we've been married, 
and we have our first son, and it's supposed to be this thing that just comes natural, and it so did it for me. It was so hard as a dad and a husband, and she looked at me and she said, I need you to, I need you to figure this out. I need, you to, I need you to go talk to someone, whatever you need to do, and I did. And, you know, in preparing for this, I, I felt led to share that it, it's not wrong to go talk to somebody. It's not Amen. wrong to go talk to a psychiatrist, a counselor, a pastor, mm-hmm. whatever. It's someone that can give you a fresh perspective. It's someone to give you that perspective to get away from yourself, get outside of yourself and see the bigger whole, the bigger truth. And what I found was I was the God of my life. I was searching for answers. I was relying on my own strength, my own efforts to figure out what the next step should be. And I wasn't doing anything but running backwards. Mm -hmm. And so I landed on James 4.10, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. And I found myself in this crazy vicious cycle of anger and frustration of balancing work and life and dad. And a husband to Kendi and I, I did just that. I said, God, man, I can't do this anymore. I can't, as qualified as I thought that I was, man, here I am, and I just, I just lay this at your feet. I lay myself at your feet, and here I am, and I need you to take over. I give you the reins, and ever since then, it's been this amazing process of growth spiritually, as a husband and father, as a teammate, and it's amazing because this season was the first season I can actually say I played for God and I didn't play for myself. Amen. Cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. There's you another know? one. Look, and, and, and so... Um, <laughs> It's incredible. Uh, you know, it, 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 the, the thing is, uh, um, men uh, can have their identity wrapped up in what they do. And football is like that uh, because football be- can become an idol. Uh, and it was for me until I met Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, that was everything that driven. And, and I remember hearing the statement. Uh, that was made by Blaise Pascal, the French philosopher. He said that every man, woman, and child has a God-shaped void in their heart that can only be filled by the person of Jesus Christ. But a lot of times, as men, we try to fill it with accomplishments, uh, with uh, Super Bowls, Pro Bowls, uh, uh, success. And, you know, God put that hole in our heart so we could search for him mm-hmm. so we could find him but we've tried to fill it with stuff and i've filled it with drugs and i've filled it with uh, all sorts of uh, inappropriate things um and that's what you were doing talk about the freedom that you felt when you finally came to the knowledge of letting go and letting god mm-hmm. so that all happened my fourth year 2016 like around December or so, like I said, I'd been stuck in that pit for, you know, the whole year pretty much, the whole football season, and I had this moment, and it was amazing. Uh, <clears throat> I came across this verse that I was, really was referring to me, but it's Ephesians 6, 7, and 8. It's serve wholeheartedly as if serving the Lord, not man, because you know God's going to reward those for whatever good they do. And It's amazing, like when I looked at that verse and I was like, serve wholeheartedly. That's the way he starts his verse out. And don't serve man, as in for me, don't serve yourself. Do not things do not do things for your own glory, for your own for your own love, for your own self-worth. Do it for me. Amen. 
Search and find those ways to serve for me because I'm going to reward you. The reward comes after we've, we set fully our, in our trust and our, our, all of our strength and all of our efforts into serving him, and he rewards you. And it's amazing because Ken and I, a couple of months after that, we went on our first missions trip, and it was, it was to Haiti, and it was, it was the most eye-opening experience, and it was such a reward for me spiritually and through that whole process of coming out of this, this realization that God gave me of, you're not the center of your life. And we get to Haiti, and... Um, to see the level of poverty in Haiti. I mean, to hear what you guys are doing in Panama, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. For, for anyone who's seen it firsthand or just seen an account or a testimony from someone who's come back from such poverty, it is life-changing. And I got down there and it was amazing. It was like God's final blow of grace, of just like, I'm telling you, man, it's not about you. Amen. Look at what there is in the world. You can make such a bigger difference if you just let go of yourself. Amen. And um, it was amazing. It was, like I said, it was that reward that he gave me for, for just trusting in him and, uh, and giving him the reins of my life. Funny thing is, you grew up in the church, and you talked about it a little bit, and your grandma had a profound effect on you, and she told you about Jesus' love, and she told you about... He, uh, him hanging on the cross for you. And, and, and talk about that and the knowledge of when you were a, a young kid and you, you came face-to-face with uh, the Savior. Um, <clears throat> so my dad's mom, I, we called her Mama too because um, she was our second mom, that's what she liked to say. You got your mama and you got your mama too. And uh, she lost her husband about a year before I was born. And... I'm the middle child, older brother, younger sister. I was named after him. Uh, He was Vaughn Komen, and I'm Vance Komen. And so she always called me her little VC. Mm -hmm. And so it was amazing. She walked almost 30 years on this this earth um, after he passed away. And she always told me, she said, the reason I'm still here is because I have a calling. I'm going to teach Sunday school class until I take my last breath. And by golly, she did it. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but because of that, you know, my name and everything else, she always said I had his nose. And, and there was just like a bunch of little things, but we always had this deep connection. Mm-hmm. And it was such an honor. And I, I was talking to my dad, too, about this weekend. And we got to talking about, you know, his mom, my mama, too, uh, and how her legacy lives on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just like football, uh, it ends at some point. Our bodies, our minds end at some point, but our soul and our legacy and our ministry lasts. And that's why it's so crucial to find the way God's called you to into your own your own purpose and your own ministry. Because man, you can have a lasting impact on people. Amen. And it's something that I've found. It it the NFL like the NFL does a great job with rookies. Um, you know, I had it as a young kid with my grandmother and now as an NFL player, you know, you can attest you're a role model whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. And it's what you do with that that what, it, what's what counts and what matters. Um, you know, every rookie has to go through a development program and they tell you straight up, like, people look up to you. Mm-hmm. And after that, they give you the freedom to run whichever direction you can run with it. I won't sit up here and dance like Juju. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm not nearly as good of a dancer as yeah. Juju, but it's just interesting because, like, man, like, your role model, boom, all of a sudden, here's your stage and run free. And so it's been so neat, like, over the, over the six years that I've played, 
um, how God's kind of called me and moved me and focused me into um, taking that on more seriously, that role. Uh, you have the opportunity to speak into kids' lives as an NFL football player. Right. And I take that so seriously. Uh, you know, doing things like this, um, because yeah, they just so, they look up to you so much. And it, for the longest time, I wrestled with that stage. Mm -hmm. I, I had the spotlight. I was worthy of the spotlight. I wanted a bigger spotlight. You know, I wanted to build my stage a little bit bigger. I wanted, you know, more freedom, like, look at me, look at me look at what I'm doing and capable of, and God finally made me realize, like, this is not your stage. Mm -hmm. The NFL, the role model, all the praise and cool accolades and all the things that you do, it's not a stage for you. It's a stage for me. So I want you to become a platform. Mm -hmm. You're a platform so that people can step on you, use you to reach me. And so I just, that's what I try to live like. Find, like realizing that, man, it has, it's unlocked just such a great freedom in me. Um, like we talked about, it's that fear and anxiety that you feel doing this, it's, it's lifted from you because now all, all the confidence and everything comes from God and it's mm -hmm. not of you. And he's going to give you the words. He's going to prepare you. He's going to fill you up with confidence and lead you into whatever it is that he has planned for you. But you have to say yes. Mm -hmm. That willingness that of saying yes for Bible study was for me for this year. Yeah. It's like, what is your purpose in this moment? Um, and it changes. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so happy that it changed for the better of his kingdom and his glory over the course of six years. And I just, I finally got out of my own way. Mm -hmm. And now the spotlight you have given to the Lord. Right. And how cool is that? How cool is that, guys? <laughs> well, come on, let's go down on the floor. And we're going to uh, ask the worship band, to, uh, to, the worship team to come out here as uh, we close uh, our time together. And so, um, can you identify with that? You know, maybe, maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe you're struggling uh, right now with, uh, with your identity. Maybe you're struggling with uh, sitting on the throne that is reserved for God. And, and maybe you're, you're someone that God is tugging on his heartstrings right now. And you're, you're, you might be asking uh, some of you who are new to church, what does it mean to be a Christian? And how do you become a Christian? And, and I think we've seen a great testimony uh, in Vance about trying to keep control and being exhausted with that and then just finally letting go. And, and, and I just want to encourage you, if you've never let go and let God, if you have never received Christ, then I'm going to give you, we're going to have, give you an opportunity to pray that prayer because it, it is very simple. What it means to be a, a Christian is it means having a, a relationship with the living God. It is through his son, Jesus Christ. And it's not about religion. It's about a relationship with God. It's about, you know, I, when, I, when I first heard this uh, back in 1982 with the Steelers, I, I, you know, I, I said, these guys that love Jesus talk as if they knew him, because they did. They talk as if Jesus lived inside of them, because he did. And, and so it is, a, and, and if you want to know how you stand 
before, before God today. Because we used to have a saying, you're one snap away from the end of your career. But there is another reality that we're one heartbeat, one breath away from eternity. And uh, I remember my second year in the NFL coming back from Oakland on a Monday night game when Michael Webster asked me the question that every man, woman, and child has to answer. Touch, if you died today, where would you spend eternity? And so that's my question to you. If you died today, where would you spend eternity? And the Bible is very, very clear. As my buddy uh, Ed Glover from Urban Impact always says, it's, it's, it's all about the ABCs. It's I, I, I admit that I'm a sinner. You know, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, of short of God's standard. Not most people, but everybody. And then, uh, and then B is, uh, uh, do I believe if I confess with my tongue and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, and God has raised him from the dead, I am saved. And then the C is I just commit to following Jesus because the gift of eternal life is, as it says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin, in other words, what we earn is death, not just physical death, but spiritual death, eternal separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life, and it is in Christ Jesus. Think about that, that God loved us so much that he left heaven, walked this earth, a very humble life, and a very torturous death. And when he hung on that cross, he was sin on our behalf. He paid the price of sin from eternity past to eternity future. So we can never be good enough on our own. So when I first heard this, I go, could it be that simple? Could it be that simple? And how do you know? And in 1 John 5, it says this, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, this eternal life is in his son Jesus. He who has the son has eternal life. He who does not have the son does not. So if you've never made that commitment, um, we're gonna, I'm going to give you that opportunity in the quiet of your heart to just pray what we call the sinner's prayer. And, uh, and it's just the confession, and it's just admitting, and it's just believing and following. So, uh, and, and, and the Bible says, if, if, if God is tugging on your heartstrings today, the Bible says this, uh, if today you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And because for this is the day of salvation. So uh, let's pray. And uh, then, we're, then the, the, worship song, uh, band, uh, the worship team is going to finish uh, our, our service together. And if you've never prayed this prayer and you want to know Jesus for real, just pray it in the quiet of your own heart with me. Lord, you are an awesome God, and we are nothing without you. And Lord, I know that I am a sinner, and there's nothing good in me. Lord, I ask you to come into my life and forgive me of my sins, because I know that when you hung on that cross, you died for me and did for me what I could never do for myself, and that is to buy my salvation, buy me eternity, as we sang, buy me a place in your house. And so, Lord, come into my house, I'm into my heart and forgive me of my sin, and I will commit to following you the rest of my life. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.